are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. And just as a warning, these films might be in theaters now, or they may be from 10, 20, 30 years ago. But regardless, there's a strong possibility that I will be revealing spoilers. I might give away the plot or the ending in this review, so just be warned. Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, which came out in 2003 and was directed by Gore Verbinski. It stars Johnny Depp, Jeffrey Rush, Orlando Bloom, Kira Knightley, Jack Davenport, and Jonathan Price. The genre would be pirate adventure. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. We must save her. Where do we start? Jack Sparrow. He talked about the Black Pearl. Forgot one very important thing, mate. I'm Captain Jack Sparrow. Not sure I deserve it. You best start believing in ghost stories, Miss Turner. You're in one. Jets, you all remember Captain Jack Sparrow. Kill him. I'm gonna teach you the meaning of pain. You like pain? Try wearing a corset. Pirates of the Caribbean, the curse of the Black Pearl. I may have deserved that. So apparently the star of this movie has been somewhat in the news lately? Yeah, going back to his on-screen debut in the original A Nightmare on Elm Street in 1984, I have always had a fondness for the unique acting talents of Johnny Depp. From the get-go, he had the ability to fully inhabit a character but in a manner which often didn't feel like, quote, acting. He always had matinee idol-type looks, but he rarely played into them. Throughout the 90s, he would often deliver very generous performances with a calmness about them. For me, my personal favorite performance of Depp's remains his shattering portrayal of an undercover cop befriending Al Pacino's mid-level mobster while using him to take down his criminal organization in 1997's Donnie Brasco. You think I hate you? I don't hate you. This job is eating me alive. I can't breathe anymore. And if I come out, this guy left, he dies. Through the 90s and into the early 2000s, Depp was often drawn to absurd period pieces, usually obscuring his good looks under makeup or outlandish costumes. Another example was the underrated early 1900s serial killer thriller From Hell from the Hughes Brothers, where he plays a drug-addicted constable attempting to track down the infamous Jack the Ripper. Once again, Depp gave an interesting lived-in performance, which served the story while also allowing the more crazy elements surrounding him to really make their mark. Well, with the 2003 release of this big-budget adaptation of a Disney theme park attraction, all of that changed. As Johnny Depp's persona shifted from the background loudly into the foreground, as his Captain Jack Sparrow just utterly devours the screen. Yes, he's made up and costumed as the perpetually waterlogged pirate version of Keith Richards stumbling backstage after a Stones concert, and it was Keith Richards himself who apparently was Depp's inspiration for this performance. 
But this dude is just brashly living it up for everyone around him to witness. Captain Jack is an unstoppable force. You don't have permission to be aboard there, mate. I'm sorry, it's just, it's such a pretty boat. Trip. What's your name? Smith. Oh, Smithy, if you like. What's your purpose in Port Royal, Mr. Smith? Yeah, and no lies. All right, then. I confess. It is my intention to commandeer one of these ships, pick up a crew and tortuga, raid, pillage, plunder, and otherwise pilfer my Weasley black guts out. I said no lies. I think he's telling the truth. If he were telling the truth, he wouldn't have told us. Unless, of course, he knew you wouldn't believe the truth, even if he told it to you. And if you're even merely glancing his way, you are very likely to get sucked up into his wake. And it genuinely works, as Depp is just a joy to watch. He's not only funny and charismatic, but is helping everyone around him on screen to seem better than they are, including younger Dreamboats Orlando Bloom and Kira Knightley, who are each honestly doing the most they can with relatively underwritten roles. Gore Verbinski's handsomely directed pirate epic apparently has some kind of driving narrative involving the pirates and curses and ghosts and gold and blah, 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 whatever. But more than 20 years later, after first seeing this movie on the big screen, I am still at a loss as to how to explain the overall plot to anyone. Which is fine, which is actually fine, because story is kind of incidental in a movie like this. It just is. It's merely a hook for allowing us to follow Captain Jack around as he ambles around from one outlandish circumstance to the next. Well, I'm actually feeling rather good about this. I think we've all arrived at a very special place, eh? Oh. Spiritually, ecumenically, grammatically. I want you to know that I was rooting for you. Know that. Elizabeth. It would never have worked between us, darling. I'm sorry. Well. Nice hat. And there are some genuine highlights for sure including his on-screen introduction, but we'll get to that in a bit. And there's more where that came from, from within a film loaded with inventive set pieces, utilizing a combination of canny stunt work, impressive makeup, thanks to Vay Neal and Martin Samuel, who were justifiably nominated for Oscars that year, and pretty groundbreaking for the time, visual CGI effects from Industrial Light and Magic, who were also justifiably nominated for Oscars. Of course, like with previous episodes, City of God, which came out the same year, Everyone nominated pretty much lost to the juggernaut that was known as Return of the King. But yeah, the ghosts of the titular Black Pearl look convincingly integrated into the setting. And the swordplay throughout is genuinely fun, especially an early sequence featuring a clever showdown between Jack and Bloom's Will Turner trading metal at Turner's blacksmith shop. Who makes all these? I do. And I practice with them three hours a day. You need to find yourself a girl, mate. Or, perhaps the reason you practice three hours a day is that you already found one and are otherwise incapable of wooing said strumpers. You're not a eunuch, are you? I practice three hours a day so that when I meet a pirate, I can kill it! And the rest of the supporting cast all come to play as well including Jonathan Price's foppish governor, love those wigs, and especially Jeffrey Rush truly hamming it up as the crusty but also self-aware Captain Barbosa, who serves as this film's main villain. 
Flash, Wait. to make good the clear one. You have to take me to shore. According to the code of the Order of the Reverend. Your return to shore was not part of our negotiations nor our agreement, so I must do nothing. And secondly, you must be a pirate for the pirate's code to apply, and you're not. And thirdly, the code is more what you'd call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl, Miss Turner. All around, a good time is had by all, especially Johnny Depp. And that brings us to the categories. The first category would be Best Needle Drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film. Klaus Bedelt is a talented German composer who really came up as a collaborator and protege of the legendary Hans Zimmer. So much that most listeners, myself included, would be utterly confounded being able to tell his individual scores apart from Zimmer's. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. He got his bones doing music for German commercials in the 1990s before joining Zimmer's team. And he would end up contributing music to some true banger scores from Hans Zimmer, including their all-time memorable theme to Terence Malick's The Thin Red Line in 1998. Just a gorgeous piece of music. Previous Needle Drop hero, Alan Silvestri, who did The Avengers, was originally slated to compose the score for this movie back in 2002. But when Silvestri walked off the project, Bedelt was hired, and with this score, he really made his mark. What resulted was likely one of the most memorable and often imitated hero themes of the 21st century. I mean, really, decades later, you still can't avoid this theme, as it is often played at sporting events all around the world. It's a rousing and even somewhat hyperactive mix of bombastic brass, strings, and percussion. We hear this theme throughout the movie, especially during those sword fights, and it is fittingly titled, He's a Pirate. That brings me to the next category, which would be the trailer moment. This is the scene or moment that best describes this movie. My personal highlight has to be our on-screen introduction to Captain Jack. The camera is framed with him standing triumphantly in the ocean. We can only see his top half and with the sun behind him. And as we watch nearby observers at the dock, aghast at what they're watching while Klaus Bedelt's rousing score starts to swell, the camera starts to pull back on him as we then realize that Jack is standing upon the mast of a rapidly sinking, canoe-sized boat floating inland, which fully sinks just as he steps proudly on the dock. It's funny and clever and kind of awe-inspiring at the same time. And that brings me to two final categories, which I'm going to combine in this case for obvious reasons. The MVP, the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film, and Wasted Talent, the most underutilized talent involved with this film, which I'm going to take in a slightly different direction. At the end of the day, for better or worse, this movie is still the Depp show, the Johnny Depp show. And I say for better because he is a blast, 
and was also deservedly nominated for an Oscar for his performance as an entertainingly shameless anti-hero. I completely get why for years to come, I would see no shortage of kids on Halloween brandishing Captain Jack Sparrow costumes. He was the lovable rogue to end all lovable rogues. A 21st century Han Solo, but even more self-serving and even more idiosyncratic. That's got to be the best part I've ever seen. So it would seem. But I also say for worse. Yeah, sadly, in the 19 years since The Curse of the Black Pearl, Johnny Depp's acting persona has resembled that of an aggressive clown on screen, with few exceptions, and one of them being his much derided, but as far as I'm concerned, quite underrated performance as John Dillinger in Michael Mann's Public Enemies, a movie that I will continue to defend. No, it wasn't Michael Mann's best, nor even close to his best, but it's still a pretty damn good movie, and Depp was pretty good in it. Besides that, Depp has mostly given us more and more Captain Jack and Mordecai, and his ghastly MJ-like Willy Wonka, and two cloying Mad Hatter performances, and a genuinely bland Grindelwald, and the less said about his distractingly mustachioed Canadian-accented turn as a detective in Kevin Smith's body horror film, Tusk, the better. Since 2003, it has just been caricature after caricature filling up the screen. Also, big paychecks coming with these parts, so it's completely understandable on his part. So yes, Pirates of the Caribbean remains a highly entertaining, if overlong, triumph of old-school Hollywood fun updated for the 21st century. But given all of this recent talk of how Depp's acting career started to sink once he met Amber Heard, and honestly, this is coming from someone who could care less about this media circus trial and all the craziness surrounding it. Sorry, I just don't. I still am firmly of the belief that the unanticipated success of this film, this very film 19 years ago, was truly the beginning of the end of Johnny Depp's run as one of our most interesting actors. Here's hoping that he eventually gets some of that sublime acting mojo back after all the dust settles. My rating for Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, is three and a half stars out of five. This still remains a very fun rewatch. And if you're looking to check out the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie, and all the rest actually as well, they are currently streaming on Disney+. And that ends another dastardly review. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast. And follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Living for the Cinema.